So the GDPR, you know, if you remember, is saying that uh, the, the DPO should be a pilot, should have the necessary resources, access to the top and so forth. But it also uh, says clearly it's a, that's also, a, well, it's, a, you know, Article um, uh, 38.6 of the GDPR. So mm -hmm. the data protection can fulfill other duties, provided that uh, there's no conflict of interest. And, and the point there is that the, the DPO should be independent. Right. The question here, and the GDPR is very pragmatic too, independence, again, doesn't mean to be isolated. In fact, the more independent you are, the less isolated you should be and the more you should have access to whatever is going on in the company. But that independence also comes with the right checks as to whether there might be conflict of interest situation, which may come not only from wearing various hats. There have been actually uh, sanctions like in Belgium against, yeah. uh, you know, in that for conflict of interest. But that's, that's, I would say, an obvious situation when you're wearing various hats. You can also be conflicted by wearing only one hat. So on the paper, you look like you're independent, you're only DPO. But still, you could be conflicted because perhaps you have to decide on something that relates to a friend. Or maybe you know that your bonus uh, will be influenced by some other factor. Or because you find that you have to make a decision or support a decision about uh, a tech provider and you have a preference for personal reasons for various incentives you might get or because you know you get along well with the, with a person more than another so conflict of interest can stem from uh, human relations from having different functions from having preferences from just being human and that's the the important part of the gdpr is to understand that the independence prompted by the gdpr has various facets, you know, it can be just uh, cognitive and subjective, it can be structural, functional, uh, uh, related to relationships. And, and I see clients, they get it when we say conflict of interest should not be taboo. The more skilled you are, the, the more you will be called upon to contribute. And of course, the more you called upon to contribute, the more conflicted you might be because you're kind of doing different things at the same time. So it's not a lack of skills. It's not saying anything wrong about you. You're not a bad person because you're conflicted. You're conflicted simply because you are doing many different things. Mm -hmm. Because you have a personal life, you have a, you, have, you have a private life, you have a public life, you have a business life, or because you have different jobs at the same time. So it, it's normal to be conflicted. What it's not normal is to not detect it mm -hmm. and to not address it. Um, and that's where the GDPR is kind of a bit too short on what it means to, to yeah. not have a conflict of interest. And, and that provision is really the core because as soon as you're conflicted, you cannot be trusted anymore in the decisions or the advice uh, you're supporting. It's really a matter of trust, a matter of credibility, and a matter, of course, of independence in, in the role of DPO, but it's true for any role in the company. Whatever you do, you should have this self-check and also this check for others as to whether there's any conflict um, situation and how you handle also self-disclosure and a second pair of eye potentially around um, around that. So yes, the GDPR uh, and conflict of interest really come um, together and should be, uh, should, you know, should be seen 
in, in the most effective and consistent uh, way to make sure that the DPO's role and, and purpose can be, uh, can be fulfilled. That's interesting because you put in perspective the aspect that it may not be the role, it may be the activity, it may be that person with whom you are dealing or even an action because of your other life, because we have many identities in today's world. So in that case, of course, the easy answer would be that if somebody has a question, they can always come to you. But let me ask you the other way. If someone, either a company or a person wants to detect or identify conflict of interest and then address it, what would be the simplest way or metric or approach to do that? Yeah, very good question. It's a very pragmatic one. Uh, first, there's a timing element, which is upon hiring someone, you should always have a conflict check upon hiring in the first place. Because you could have a conflict by design, right? For mm -hmm. example, the, the same person is working for a competitor or his wife is uh, having a role in the company that might be favored uh, some, somehow and you lose your impartiality in the way you're going to fulfill your, your task. So the upfront upon hiring conflict of interest check is important, but that doesn't mean you can detect everything upfront because many things are just coming with the life of, uh, of, of the company and, uh, and, and of the activities. So the timing element is also throughout uh, the business life and the company life, what kind of uh, very easy checks we can put in place. And those checks can come in two forms, self-checks, and uh, punctual checks on others, mm. like by a compliance officer, for example, who will check upon others once in a while, it's a sort, sort of a conflict of interest audit, if I may say. Now you say, okay, that's about the when, what about the how? And the how is uh, first to explain the why to people, because why, once they understand why they should care and why it matters, you will actually engage them more into the how. And the how can be pretty easy. You can really draw, I would say, up to 10 questions that people should try to answer and upon their answers we can guide them as to whether there might be a conflict situation but again the why is important because the point is not to find an issue with them is to guide them and to help them address potential conflicts whether uh, it's uh, it looks like a conflict or it is an actual conflict for example question about uh, their relationships how they feel uh, if they can think of any other interests that might be served in that situation, whether in the job description they see situations where, where they could be assessing their own job, so you're actually judging yourself, which is uh, not the best way to be impartial. So very concrete question uh, that, that looks simple, but they're actually translating sometimes complex situation into simple question for people to get used to asking themselves those questions. And you see that the more you guide them through the why and the how, the more they embed that as a, as a habit, as a behavior in, in everything they do. And, and, and the last, last thing beyond checks and self-checks is to have a disclosure mechanism. So to make sure that whenever a person is in a situation where such a check should happen or self-check takes place, that if they are in the orange or the red zone instead of the green zone, that they do proactively and they should have a duty to proactively disclose that. And we should know to whom, of course, often a compliance officer or a go-to person to, to receive that disclosure and to see how to address it. Again, with a partial replacement, second pair of eye, uh, additional advice, 
uh, or just a yes or a no. But so disclosure and self-disclosure happens. And I can tell you, even in multinational companies, we drew together something that has become an app, a very simple app. So we transformed the questionnaire into quick questions on your mobile. So whenever you're in a situation that is proactively identified or reactively identified, you, you go through this quiz in a way, and depending on the result, you know whether you have to disclose, not to disclose, to ask for help, or whether it's a highway to heaven and you're, you're okay to go. That's interesting. But the challenge with most soft skills or behavioral aspects is that these are challenging. They are very, uh, very much uh, softer aspects of it. So can you, uh, do you also find it that it's challenging for people to identify? Because if I identify that, okay, this may be conflict of interest and I go back to my compliance team, there's also a risk for me in terms of my job. You mentioned already in terms of my bonus and so on. So do you see that? And how do those challenges then get addressed? Because end of the day, it's human to feel concerned and be assured of. Yes. Um... The resistance often comes, the challenge comes first from the resistance of people to see that even if it's called a conflict, it's not necessarily a, a terrible situation. It doesn't mean something bad about you. Um, it's not necessarily an infringement of something. Um, so really to, to first uh, address preconceptions about conflicts of interest is important. Um, Really, I can tell you that in many situations we, we are handling, we are also handling whistleblowers who come to us to report uh, corruption, fraud, cartels, and so forth. So really like uh, corporate crimes. Um, conflict is not a corporate crime, but I can tell you that in many corporate crime situations, it did start with a conflict of interest. And it's also to explain to people that the best way to protect them you know, uh, from the risk of getting into some sort of corporate crime is to prevent or to address conflicts of interest. And once you work on the preconception, then the challenge is easily removed because people see um, why it's so important even to their own job. And they will also often come with creative ideas as to how to address it, but really engaging them and working on preconception is the first challenge and the first barrier to, um, to lift. The second challenge I would say nowadays is with technology. It's very hard when you're using uh, a tool uh, or a automation or big data. Everything is so um, not necessarily unhuman, but has no human factor. Yeah. How do you also automatize uh, or automate, sorry, how do you automate uh, checks and uh, disclosure or detection of conflict of interest. And I think that's where you will see potential large scale uh, conflicts when um, it is by design, you know, embedded or coded in any technology or innovation we are using. And that's why a big, big challenge nowadays, whether it's small or big companies, is how to address conflict of interest in the engineering room, in the coding room, in the programming room. Is the person programming uh, conflicted him or herself? Mm -hmm. And are we in a way factoring any risk for conflict in the technology uh, itself? But that is true not only for conflict, it's true for any form of, uh, of uh, ethics or potential wrongdoing. 
Thanks for listening and now we ask you for some help. Take a moment to subscribe and review this podcast. Your support matters. And if you have done it already, thank you so much. Now, if you have questions or suggestions, drop an email at hello at fitforprivacy.com. And finally, if you know someone who will benefit from this, share this podcast with them and help us grow. Thank you so much. Stay safe and see you next time.